we won't say die, we won't give in. We're number one, we'll hold the line. We won't step back, we'll just attack time after time. We're lightning fast, we'll drive like rain. We won't be beat, we won't retreat, ice in our veins. We are the storm from Melbourne town, we'll blow the others off the ground. We are the storm and we're numb. G'day guys, welcome to the NRL Fantasy Preview for the Melbourne Storm. TK and Paddy here to rip this one through. Paddy, Storm, so many good players to pick from. Maybe not for round one though, but I'm, I'm very high on a lot of these guys. Yeah, very relevant team. Um, I mean, always a top performing team as well, so it's good to ride some of their some of their guns and Bellamy knows how to turn some pretty mid-range kind of players or non-existent players into relevant players. For sure. Before we rip in, just remember, join us on the social medias, Talking League Pod on t- TikTok, Facebook or X, Talking League One, sorry, on an Instagram, Talking League One on X. You can find all the info at www.talkingleaguepod.com. Now, the Storm, they finished in third position and they played the Broncos in that first finals. 2024 games, they get Sean Bloor from the West Tigers. 20, 2024 losses, Tommy Eisenhuth, he's gone to the Dragons. Jaden Nicarima, he went to Catlins over in the France. Justin Olam, he went to the Tigers. And Tarek Sims, he also went to the Catlin Dragons. Looking at their first 10 games here, Paddy, we've got Penrith. We've got the Warriors, Newcastle, into a bye. The Broncos, Bulldogs, Roosters, Rabbitohs, and then the Titans. So, big big Pretty start tough. of the season, bro. <laughs> Mate, very, very tough. I was, uh, I was even going beyond that. You know, Bunnies, Titans, and then into Sharkies, Parramatta, Manly, and then another bye. So... It's a it's a tough draw. A few buys, nice early buys, which is uh, which is better for the back half of the season from a fantasy perspective. But yeah, yeah, very hard opening. Probably one of the hardest draws I've seen. Speaking of those buys, rounds four, thirteen, and nineteen. So one of the first teams to actually lose, uh, to finish it all pretty much by the end of Origin. They're all pretty much out there. We'll have a look at our studs, duds, cashies, bounce back, breakouts for the fantasy season ahead. But let's. How good is this bloke? And we're talking about Harry Grant, 788k break even of 57. Been pretty much the best hooker in NRL fantasy for the last couple of years here. Paddy did come out of the blocks really hard last year. Mm. Average 70 after five games, but different draw. Like last yeah. year, I, I think that the biggest realization, because I was listening to a little bit of bloke today, and they were 11th best for attack, 11th best for defense, still finished in the top four. Mm. But I think what's going on in the radar is their draw was really down compared to... They had a Sharks-like draw last year. Yeah, I think um, last year was a really weird year for them. Like, I, I think as a as a neutral watching them, they, you know, they never really clicked in the, into gear. So they never really... Well, they had a transitional year, didn't they? Yeah, they had a transitional year. Obviously, the like the Bromwich boys and Kafusi left to, to go to the Dolphins. So they had some newer players in new positions. They also had... Um, well, like Remus was, was out, out as well. Pups was out. So they had... Yeah, it was a, it was a different-looking Melbourne... But they just never really clicked. So it's hard. It's funny because they still came third. You know, like they still came. They still came third. But they again, they just never really found their rhythm. Um, and I just said it before. Their their opening to this year is really quite tough. It's so difficult. when I look at when I look at Grant, and not only is he's one, of, so he's the premier hooker. Not even in fantasy, but also just for actual yeah, league. Yeah. So he's an absolute gun. Um, I love watching him play. But like for his ownership at twenty five percent, I just I don't know. I feel like you can there are, there are better value hookers elsewhere, even if it is a bit more of a of a risk. And 
they have, and just with their buy schedule, so like it's such an early buy on him as well. Plus, he's going to be playing Origin. Like, I just, I don't know. Like, I, I, I don't really see it. I think, you know, for a pro, he's a gun player in a gun team. He definitely has an attacking style and some up and upside. He's also got a pretty solid base. His only negative really is that he does love a missed tackle. So well, when he does play... Pro, yeah, he did four last year. Yeah, so four last year, and they, they come in clumps. So there's a game, like when I took a look at it, there's a few games where and he, in his high scores, it's like, oh, sweet, he's only had, you know, two missed tackles. Yeah. And then he'll do seven missed tackles, and you just see it, like, kind of plummet plummet that score down. So It's kind of weird that in COVID year, he only had 2.6 average missed tackles, and now he's got four. But, yeah, I guess he was probably playing a little bit less minutes, though, back because they had cheese. But I think the biggest thing is the back end of the season, and, you know, managing did come into it, but Garlic did did really well starting. Yeah. So it does give them the option of starting him at times. And I guess the 80-minute hooker in rugby league, because of the speed of the game, I think we're getting away from that a little bit, yeah. even with the quality of Harry Grant. And his game suits the faster style. So you just need him at his best when it counts. Um, and the other thing as well, so on that garlic, I actually like that point. I actually don't think a lot was managing because Melbourne weren't a lock for the top four. Like there was times where because they, they dropped, tight, yeah. you know, like there were there were games that they dropped when they wouldn't usually drop it, so they weren't yeah. in absolute certainty. So you could tell that they were trying to put in. I just don't think things uh, work for him. And yeah, the garlic experiment where he starts like that might be something that they do pretty often this year. Well, the last three games he played fifty nine, sixty six, and fifty three minutes with garlic starting there. So. Really interesting times ahead for... Oh, sorry, the middle one, I don't think he's... I think he did start, but he did get managed in one of those games. But it's a long season, right? With no genuine hooker back up over yeah. the storm, you know? The strategy's there, and at 788k, I think it's one of those ones, considering they have the round 19 bye, he won't play that game anyway, he'll be at Queensland. Round 20, they come back from origin. Again, he might get maybe a little bit of resting there. Maybe that round 21, like I would love to finish with Harry Grant. I think Harry Grant, if you finish with him, it's a really good indication that you've done really well with your mid-rangers and your cashies, and you've got enough cash to upgrade to get the best hooker to finish the season. Yeah. yeah like, I can see people picking him up because two of the buys are origin games, so 13 and 19, which he wouldn't be playing either. Yep. And he actually backed up all three games last year. So, you know, realistically, you could be picking up someone who is is a gun, Kind of set and forget that only has the one buy. I just don't like that it's early and again, I just don't think I just think at the price you could you could shift it elsewhere. It was my second worst position yes last year behind yeah. center. So I got no so disappointing. I don't think I want to spend in either of those positions too highly. But let's go to Cameron Munster, seven hundred and fifty four K. Break even at fifty five here, Paddy. Now he averaged fifty five, which was a seven point drop from a great season he had in two thousand twenty two, where he did join the elite class of sixty plus, averaged sixty two in that season. Realistically, he did kick for more meters in two thousand twenty three, but just wasn't scoring as many tries, and his run game went down a little bit. Defensively, he was a little bit, you know, off his game a touch as well. Did sign that big contract yeah. now, so maybe that was. He had a bit of a transitional himself, you know, he got married, had a kids, all that sort of stuff last year, but I do think that next to him, like, I like what I saw from Chant the Arrow, but he was very no frills. Yeah. I do think that if Sean Bloor starts next to him, it gives him a good attacking option. The other thing is, I think they're going to have a lot, I think Meany's going to play left centre as well. Yeah. I think that edge will be a lot more settled for him to find some attacking weapons. I think those try assists are going to go up. 
Yeah, I can I can definitely see that. Like Munster, I was so high on Munster, so I I took him first pick in both of my drafts. <laughs> I like when we went to the NRL last year, and I said, you know, player for the back end of the year, let's go Munster. He's a fun watch, man. And right? he's he's a fun watch. I mean. He just, yeah, he just really underwhelming. So he was carrying an injury. His knee just wasn't right, or his leg, I think, whatever it was. He, he just he wasn't right. He had the infection. Yeah, it just wasn't quite right. And uh, there was an article a couple of weeks back where he actually spoke about having performance anxiety and his headspace wasn't at the best. Like it's the first, he said, oh, the first time in his career that he felt that. And again, he was just kind of a symptom of the storm. Like he just never really found his groove and, yeah. and his rhythm. So he definitely. He, he, he suffered from that. I think another thing as well is Hughes towards the back end really started to break out. And when Hughes is on, Munster, like Munster can, ta- can take a little bit of a back seat. So yeah, if yeah. one of the halves is playing in a dominant role, then the other one can kind of just chill out. Where last year, you could see Hughes really kind of like blossom a li- little bit more towards the end of the year. He was really quite dominant. So Munster didn't have to do too much for them to, to win games. Yep. So it is a little bit of a concern. Again, I just think your money your money could be spent better elsewhere. And he does have the yeah. he does have the pedigree where again he kind of had a, a down year last year, but it's still a risk. Like there's no indicator to say that he's going to go and shoot through the roof. Yeah, I, I, it's one of those things that he's as good as Cleary and Hines on most stats, but he just doesn't kick goals. And he's got really low kick meters. So that's the difference. So he does really well still to average 55, considering he doesn't have that dominant kicking stat at all in any category. So he's still pretty good. I'd love him in, like, draft. Yeah, he's still a good draft target, but he's he's fallen down the pecking order. He's no longer a, a, a first-round pick. Yeah, I think one for the... Second, second round. Yeah, one for the run home as well to consider. I just think that you may as well pay up to both Cleary and Hines, even to a Moses. Moses. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's move on. No, 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 no. Now, Mick, Nick Meaney's our first dud slash trap. 619k break even at 45, trading at centre. We're assuming it's left centre. Yep. So, does he goal kick? Like, is well, Pups going to take that back? Well, that's the thing. I mean, that's not a certain thing. So, there's been every photo I've seen of Pups that lately has been him goal kicking. So, not even necessarily a train, but he's he's practicing. So He was first choice before. And he, and he was first choice. I know that, obviously, he's had leg injuries, so maybe they don't want to put pressure on it. But I would say that if he's the best goal kicker in the club, why wouldn't he do it? So, yeah, there's a chance that he loses that. Like, I'm not even going to bother. There's no, Number one, there's not enough data on him at center. So, you've got to write off completely his stats we, from we last year. We know nothing, year. right? Well, yeah, he's only had... So he's had a single game at centre when he was in 2021, which was also COVID ball. At the Dogs, he scored a try, try, and he did get 43. So, you know, again, you can't go off it. You can't read into that too much. And, yeah, all of his other numbers are at fullback. So... Well, literally, what, 30K cheaper is Panasini. Proven track record at centre for two years now. And then you can pay up to 70K... If you want to go to Tungo, who's in the best team in the NRL? Yeah, I just think there's too much down, there's too much downside. So he's at best he's priced at his ceiling, which is forty. Especially for a center. For a center, he's priced at his ceiling, and he has like on the flip side to Munster and Grant, where their buy schedule suits them because they're Origin players. I mean, he's the complete opposite. He misses both buy rounds. He's got an early buy, so yep. he's an absolute. Just dud, just to go nowhere near him. I guess Sewer's the backup fullback too. So there's, unlike RTS, where he's probably the backup fullback, mm. even with Tua Picky being there, 
like with Firmini, if Pups was to go down, like the best play for Pups in Classic would be he doesn't score well at centre. Just say he averages 30 or 32, drops a stack in price, and then Pups might get injured, but he doesn't move back to fullback. Yeah, no, I don't think he does. I also don't think he's a lock to start at centre. Like, he's not a proven centre. Well, they've got Seve, they've got Remus Smith, they've got young Tomala Pia. Yeah, I feel like Seve last year did a really did good, good job. Yeah. So, so I did feel Young. Like, yeah, so I can... And I think Smith will probably get a spot. So, I I don't even know if Meany starts. Like, why would he... I don't know. I, th- I thought Seve added a point of difference, and he is a natural centre, where Meany is just a utility. I guess maybe back. you pick your best team, but don't you? You have to think maybe... I think really Manny, I think Manny's better than Seve. I don't know. Player for player. I think he's more important to that team. Yeah. I mean, he's more versatile. I prefer Seve. But again, he's he's too overpriced. Go nowhere near him. And I mean, Sanders is bad enough, let alone a guy who's got no data at centre. He's starting at 600k. True. Let's go to Josh King. 671k. Break even at 49. One of the fines of NRL Fantasy last year. Really did step up. Stack of injuries. You know, they didn't really have that mid-rotation that they had year before. The guys that you mentioned, you know, two Bromwich boys definitely out of that rotation to start with, especially with Jesse being one of the best props there for a long, long time. But I guess right now there is chatter behind the scenes that Trent Liero is going to move into the 13. Josh King's going to move up to front row. Generally, a front row would generally play at the what he averaged 65 minutes. So we're talking, that's Cameron Murray stuff. Yeah. You know, that's Cameron Murray minutes. Yeah. And he just did it out of necessity. Next year, they're probably going to run what him and Walsh Sheet to start. Tui and Nass off the bench. Like, realistic, what does he play? 50 minutes max? Yeah, I mean, Nass needs to get more minutes. So I, I don't even, I can't even project. If he's starting at prop, like, that's interesting to start Liero at lock. So I don't know how many minutes King gets. I mean, he, he's, he's the king of the plotters. Like he's just a he just does his job. You know, really, he just does his job. He's got absolutely no attacking upside. He's just all base. He's got a good work rate. Um, but to your point, even with a, a potential shift in position, his minutes were already on the decline towards the end of last year. So he was averaging less and less minutes as the season went on. And I think Mel- Melbourne have a, a bit of a forward issue. Like they've got a bit of a middle problem where. Welsh and King, like, yeah, you know, Workman, Tui as well doesn't really provide too much of a point of difference. It's only really Nass that kind of brings the, the extra, right. you know, the explosive punch. So, well, Kingy was, oh, not Kingy, Welsh, he was coming back from that Achilles as well. So, yeah. I expect him to have a better season and probably be a little bit better prepared this year. Yeah, potentially. But again, that, like, to me, it means that King further falls down the path. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, he's... Um, so don't touch him in classic. Don't I even, touch him. I don't think his stocks fall in draft. Like, I wouldn't touch him maybe till... Very like, late. Very late. Very late. Cause, like, I wouldn't... If you're picking him in draft, don't let the 49 average fool you. I think his role started to diminish. He also, again, again, he just has no upside. So I can see him being a bit volatile. I'd, yeah, I'd have him low down my mids priority. Yeah, I think so too. Poor Paddy, let's go to Cashy's. Start with Sawfire Logo. He's not actually in the game right now. Should be added pretty soon. They said February. I think he has signed his top 30 contract now. Now, interesting where he's priced because he did score that 51 off the bench to finish things off. He played 47 minutes in that game, but did score two tries, 108 metres, eight tackle breaks, and we saw what he did for Samoa. Obviously, he's still pretty raw because he did make some errors, but you know, fundamentally, good player, and I do think that he could capably... Fill in for Paps when needed, but what are you thinking, number 14? 
Uh, I don't think he's in the team. Like, I think that if they're going to have a 14, it'll be Garlic or Grant. I just think... Who's Grant? Jordan Grant. No, like Harry Grant. Oh, I'm no. saying, like, it'll either be oh, Harry I Grant starting and then Garlic, yeah, yeah. you know? Like Actually, I, Gordon, Jordan Grant went to Penrith. Yeah, I think because, I mean, Bellyache's got a bit of a history in introducing outside backs off the bench. Like, that's how Pappy came into grade as well, you know, brought yeah. him in as a 14. And that might that might happen. I just don't think he'll play. Like, I think... He he's just still learning his trade, so he was very impressive in the in the Pacific Championships. I think yeah. the the big indicator was just his willingness in defence. Like he was for a smaller prepared, body, you yeah. know, he was prepared to get his body in the line. He, he he was having a real crack, and there's no doubt about his skill. Like his attacking upside's really good. Forty five average in Q Cup. He's just a black car. Yeah, he's also still. What do you think he'll come in? I think he'll be low, very low. He's only under three hundred. Yeah, under three. You've, it's only a one-game sample size. So the, yeah. I don't think the NRL, and for someone who's not even in the app, I don't think they can yeah, over, development overprice contract. him. Yeah, I don't think they can overprice him too much. Um, but he's a black book because, yeah, if Pappy goes down, I think he's next up. So they'll they'll put him in. And he's been doing reps at fullback at training and Pappy's been helping him out. Been doing reps at wing too, so it's quite interesting. The other the other thing is he's not he's off contract now and clubs know about him. So I reckon he could be getting a bit of interest. You have to be. So if there's a club that's looking for a fullback and he gets a start, Para, they won't move Gutho. I don't think they move. Haven't they been always talking about moving Gutho? They're just looking for X Factor, not necessarily. That boy's got some X Factor. He's got X Factor. Don't get me wrong. So I think yeah, if he if he leaves club and he gets a start, or if Pappy goes down, I think he's one you have to put straight into your team. Um, But. Yeah, you can't. He's not a start for this year. All right, let's go to Jack Health. Three hundred k break even at twenty two. Now he's the guy that everyone has had in their team, just hoping and praying. I guess the worst thing that happened to him was even with Justin Olam being out, thrown out the door. Now they're talking about Meany being a center. They've got a stack of centers, and then they traded for uh, Blore, who essentially is going to be competing in his position. Doesn't really say a lot that they went after an edge. Yeah. Like, I just don't know where this guy sits. Like, the year before last, he played all the Q Cup at centre. Last year, he played all of it at edge. So, he's not really a centre. They don't really see him as an edge. He finally made his NRL debut in the last game. Played pretty good. Yeah. But I don't think... Yeah, I just don't know if he's ready still. He's I don't know. Is it true he's on 500k? Surely not. Well, he's on a... I don't even think it's about the it dollar amount. It's just the... 500. No, it is a five lot. Five years. Yeah, like, it's a big... Long-term deal. Um, Still 3% owner. 3% believe in him. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I just don't see... Maybe he's a bench option. Maybe. I can't Like I can't see Bloor... If Bloor's coming to the club, I can't see Bloor not getting the start. Because who's on the bench? Him. You're saying Garlic's on the bench, depending on if they start or not? So, Garlic, Tui... you got Nass, Tui, and then you've got one open position, whether it's going to be Sewer, whether they go uh, back utility... Or they go someone like this guy who can fill in on the edge. It'll either be... Well, I mean, Howarth also has a bit of utility value that he can go to the centres and, the, they and got? the edge. Who's that yeah, plotter that they like, always use? Oh, they got like... Um, he's a Kiwi guy. He runs real funny. Yeah, they got Moroa. They got Tepo Moroa at the club, so no, he's another option. They've also got... It's not Anderson. Nah, he's a back. Yeah, not Anderson. They got another... I don't know. They got another forward... Because Eisenhuth's left. So there is a potential bench spot. I don't, like, I don't think they've got a, a rock-solid bench player. Well, they've got Chris Lewis. 
Yeah, Lewis probably. I guess. Oh, that McDonald. That's who I was thinking. Yes. About. Oh, and they've also Alec got. Um, he usually uh, gets a bench spot. And is, is it Penny? Yeah, they got Penny as well. Yeah, so they got some depth there, but I mean, nothing when, crazy. But when he, when do we see him? Because Melbourne don't do that with kids. And he's not small either. It's not like he's got to develop. He's no. 193 centimetres, 105 kilos. Scored 37 in that debut for 65 minutes. Yeah. 40, 40 average in Q Cup in the back row. The thing is, they they are moving the arrow. And they still can't get a start. No. They bought from outside. It's not like he's young either. He's 21 now. Yeah. I don't... Yeah, I don't know. I think he needs a haircut. You know, he's got that that little preppy haircut. (laughs) I just don't think it gives good vibes to the coach that he's serious. Yeah, I don't think think he's going to be there round one. So if he somehow jags a start at 300k, then yeah. Yeah, you've got to put him in, but I just don't think it's a huge long shot, right? I actually just don't see where he gets his minutes. I think he's just going to be on the bench and not score that well for coaches this year, unfortunately. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Let's go to bounce back and breakouts. Now, let's go to bounce back. Ryan Pappenhausen, 495K. Break even at 36. He's done some really good interviews at the start. We're looking at, what's the date today? It is the 6th of February. We're recording this. And the previous weekend, he did a stack of interviews. Did really yeah. good, too. Talked a little bit about mental health, a lot about the mental practices he's using off the field, especially when, you know, over the last, what, three years, he's played 45 games in four years. So you can only think that for a guy of his class and, you know, his pay packet, it would play on your, your head quite a oh, bit. Yeah. Just even coming back from those injuries. But we know what he's like when he's at his best. You know, COVID ball, he did average 48 from his 13 games. Even 2022, when they got out of that, he averaged 50 from his 12 games there. So we know his quality. Yeah. It's just all about staying in the park. But I guess that's the other thing about Sua, like where he gets priced at. Because anything after under 495K, Ryan Papenhausen is a no-brainer because the yeah. downside is you just trade to Sua. Yes. I think... I think he's a must own. Like, what's his what's his ownership at the moment? 32%. Yeah. Like, I think you got to have him. Like, all he needs is a bit of luck. You know, he's had the back-to-back leg issues. Yep. He's had the he had the concussion issues as well. Um, but I guess with the leg issues, it's actually given his head a bit of a break. So, that's I think that might be a positive from a concussion standpoint. And you got to go. Like, the best way, especially with these injury-prone players, I think is to go, if you back that they're going to go well, do it from round one. Because you could yeah. be chasing, like they go into this buy, so they get Penrith, New, New Zealand, Newcastle. If it kills him in those first three games, he's six hundred k, and you yeah. go into a buy, you can just be chasing your losses. There's no downside. Like I said, the downside is what Sue was priced at. Yeah, there's no downside. The other thing as well. So on his return last year, even though he snapped his ankle towards the end of the game, he still had he got a sixty five. So sorry, he's returned to fullback because he had one game off the bench. Yeah, in twenty six. Then he started at fullback and he scored a 65. He's a fun guy. He's very fun. Uh, The other thing is, well, so he's he's averaged... So since he became first string fullback in 2020, he's averaged 50 every year. Exactly, yeah. So I think he's a a gun. He's fun. He's just a bit of a no-brainer for me. You don't get a name like Ryan Pappenhausen come under 500k. No. Like, even though his durability over the last four seasons isn't there... It's, it's worth a, the risk. From round one, it's worth the risk. And yeah. you just got to go the pack with the pack on this one. In terms of draft scenario, Paddy, like, just having a look, because I know in my mate's league, I got uh, we got the last pick, the 10th, yeah. which means we picked 10, 11, and that's how it kind of goes all the way through. Now, I was just saying to my mate Adam, who I run the team with, I go, on the way back, because we are going to be picking at, like, pick 30, 31, 
Yeah. Okay. I think we should, if Ryan Pappenhausen is on the board, I, I actually think that we should use one of the picks on him. Yeah, I'd say, yeah, a fourth. How, how He's in the top 50 players league? still. Yeah, I'd think so. Yeah. So, yeah, if you're drafting him, let's say you've got a 10-man league, I would say, yeah, fourth to fifth pick. I mean, in your situation, it's perfect on, on the double because he won't come back at 5-6. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. So I think, yeah, 3 You're four, probably not going to get a wing fullback at that quality. Yeah. He'll, he'll, he'll actually he'll sneak under the radar in a lot of drafts. Well, the ones that don't do their homework, they're just going to be picking off the list. Yeah. And because he's so much, his average is so far down, he, I think he came out in averages below the top 100 players. Yeah, okay. so Yeah, yeah. I think, um, yeah, still have still have him up there. He's not what he was. I, I wouldn't be taking him in your first two picks. Two picks, you know. But yeah, anywhere from, yeah, I think from four, like if you want to really take a bit of a, I don't know, so I would say three is a bit of a stretch. Unless you got that reverse double yeah. pick. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, cool. Well, let's go to Sean Bloor to finish. 518K, break even to 37. Yeah, it's like winning the lotto, right? Going from the Wooden Spooners to probably... Potential premiers. <laughs> you know, top four perennial year on year. One of the best coaches to ever live. And then you're going into a winning system probably with the best spine in the competition. And uh, it, realistically, the role that he is competing for is that left edge behind, beside Cameron Munster. That's what really gets me excited. But thoughts... Yeah, I mean, I think he's he's had so much potential and obviously injury has... Has uh, has has hurt him. Yeah, playing outside Munster is only a plus. Mm. So he's he's got a career average of forty seven point four in the back row over seventy minutes. Uh, primarily as well, like the the Tigers always seem to play him off the off the bench or yeah. play him in the middle. So the the back row is his preferred position. And again, like those numbers alone, he's got ten points of value just from career average in a bad team. So if he's moving to a strong team. He has a very similar vibe to Katoa. Obviously, things can pan out differently, but he's a damaging ball runner. He loves... I think the one really great thing is that he's got a really good work rate. So, 32 tackles, 87 meters, and this is from from the back row. So, you know, that's 40 points in base alone. And he's actually got a really low demerit. So... He's only, I think it was like one point something for for missed tackle. So very solid defensively, and there's only attacking upside. So very high on him. He's a he's a smoke like he's an underpriced gun. He he could go anywhere between, I think a floor of forty five at worst mm. to early fifties to mid fifties potentially. Yeah, I like that. I like him for a high forties. Yeah, it's funny that his career game was against the Storm too, right? Like, yeah, killed his it. breakout game, 77 in round 16. No tries, but such a destructive performance in that one. Yeah. Super excited him next to Cameron Munster. I think the opportunities are really like what Trent Lotliero did, but just he was more no frills. Paul just adds just the element. I just think the change of scenery sometimes mm. is the best thing for a player. Just get out of that, you know, just to, uh, it's just a just, better environment. It is. It? Yeah. And, you know, the other thing as well, so when I was looking at it and – I kind of thought maybe Bellamy wouldn't want two more attacking focused edges because he's always been very defensive minded and, you know, Kafusi really shored up one edge. One two punch, but. Well, the thing is, is, again, like he's actually a very good defender, Bloor. So he's he's still rock solid defensively from a missed tackle perspective. So you just couple that with a bigger body and a bit more destructive. I can only see, I can only see upside in him. I think so too. 
Yeah. Outside of use, just having a look at Eli Katoa, he's averaged, what, 47 from 68 minutes. Real interesting, around 2022, he had, uh, Eli Katoa was 31 from 41 minutes outside SJ, starting six games, and then 40 in 60 minutes from six games as well. Five games over 60 minutes. Had a 45 average, so it was pretty comparable to what he did. But I do think that Eli Katoa improved remarkably. Yeah. under well, towards the end of the year. Under the coaching of Bellamy, well. having a great, you know, leader like Hughes next to him. I think, you know, Bloor can be doing something something different. Sorry, something same following Eli Katoa as well. Breaking in for 37. Yeah, I, I think he's priced at his downside. Yeah. I really do. I, I can't see him, if he's, if he's starting in the back row, I can't see him getting, like that's, his floor would be 40. So he's still underpriced. Like what's the, I can't see that much of a downside. The only problem I think is, I've like in my team I've been accounting for Crichton to get the the edge spot instead of like Wong, and I know a lot of coaches have Wong. Yep. So once you take that into account, I, like Crichton over Bloor, one hundred percent, he's cheaper, has pedigree in the position. I was versing him versus Lane. Yeah, like Bloor versus Lane. Well, I'd, Lane's more expensive, but then I got a stack of para players, and I didn't have apart from Pops, I had no other Melbourne players. I prefer Bloor over Lane anyway, if he gets the start. So for Lane, I think I was talking to you off air about it. Like I feel that his numbers, or well, his outlier your, season, right? Yeah, he had it. It was an outlier season. So yeah, you could say breakout. Oh, maybe he was going to play for the Kangaroos. This and that. Like it was a outlier year for him. He's never gotten that high previously. Yeah, he's also coming back from injury. He never really looked like he got his mojo last year when he did start again. So, anyways, this is in the power podcast. But I'm staying away from Lane. I would prefer Bloor. Uh, and he also just looks a bit more fun. <laughs> I think so too. Yeah, I think so. Especially in draft, if you've got him months early, get on uh, Shawnee Bloor. All right, Paddy, that was the Melbourne Storm. Everyone jump on Talking League on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, and Talking League 1 on Twitter. You can find everything at TalkingLeaguePod.com. Let us know what you think of this episode in the social medias. We have plenty of the different videos out there. Love to hear your p- different opinions on all the different picks. But, Paddy... That's pretty much us pre-season, right? Thanks, mate. Are you done? Yeah, that's uh, uh, for me. Yeah, until uh, Teamless Tuesday. Actually, no. Well, I'm gonna do, we're gonna do the draft episode. We'll do the live. We'll let draft. you know when that's gonna be. Yeah, so Paddy thinks he's got skills, so well, I did we'll win. Look out for that one. I did win. Yeah, but you didn't draft. play against me. Oh well, you cut it out. You didn't come. You didn't want to compete. <laughs> <laughs> all right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in. We're nearly done with all the team previews. Last week, well, the TLT because it's going to be what they're calling round zero. I don't like this round zero. Really, yeah, no, it's, it's like round TLT A and TLT B. It's really weird. yeah. So what we'll do is that final week we'll do positionals. We're going to break it up Tuesday. It's going to be me, Patty, and uh, Andy. We're going to be doing TLT plus wing fullbacks and centers. And then the next day, Timmy's going to be taking charge. He'll be doing the halves and hookers with Corbs. He'll be doing with Rolls. And I've got it written down here. And and Brenton. And then Thursday, Jace will take over with Edge and Mid. And it will be Sean, Rich, and Jake joining him on that one. But... Until Mate, the we next... Had, just quietly, we had wing fullback centers last year. How did we get dotted with the centers again this year? That's uh, true. Most interesting position, I guess. That's a scramble this year. For sure. Well, as gentlemen, stay safe, and we'll check you on another podcast soon. Catch up.